As we continue our time together, I want to look at the scripture this evening. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 is where we will be. On this Good Friday, we're thinking about our wonderful Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're thinking about the precious blood of Jesus Christ who came to pay it all. We're remembering the price that was paid for our sin upon the cross. And although we celebrate, we rejoice, and we remember, Good Friday is also about remembering a dark time when Jesus Christ went all the way on our behalf, took the punishment for us, That we deserved. Good Friday is about looking forward to the day of Easter morning when Christ rose from the grave. Before we get to Easter morning, we must remember what he went through to begin with. So as we think about this Good Friday, we want to remember what Good Friday is all about. That on such a terrible day as it was, we call it good because Christ did what no one else could do. It is the day we remember that the price was paid once and all for our sins. No more sacrifices of lambs, but one ultimate sacrifice for our sins, the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. He paid the price for God, what we could never pay. He forgave us all of our sins so that we could have life in him. What Christ went through that awful time, once he was betrayed by one of his very own disciples, Judas. He entered a time of shame, of humiliation, of agony. And as he even went through it, one of his other disciples, Peter, when he saw what his Lord was going through, even denied him and denied him three times after he said he would go with him all the way, even to death. When I think about as This evening, the way our precious lamb, the lamb of God, was treated. He was not treated fairly, but rather when he was dragged before the Jewish Sanhedrin and the council, it was not a fair trial, it was a trial by night, under deception, under a cloud of darkness, where he was severely mistreated. If you've ever been in a situation, and if you have, I... I'm sorry, but if you've ever been in a situation where you have been hit by somebody, where you've ever been slapped in the face or insulted, mocked, made fun of, shamed, ridiculed, humiliated, you know it's not a fun time. You know it's quite embarrassing, quite hurtful, quite agonizing. And even as you see somebody else maybe go through such an ordeal, your heart goes out to them. And your heart may break and cry. And yet that night is what our Savior went through. What we see in our text in this encounter with Jesus and the, and the high priest, as they gather together before Caiaphas to bring charges against Jesus Christ, none could be found. They spent day after day during his last week on this earth trying to find a way to trip him up, and they could not. So they decided to do it under a cloud of darkness by night. And Judas 
has betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. And he's brought before an illegal trial. Evil is taking place. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, as as the soldiers came out to arrest him, Jesus says to them, When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. So we remember Jesus Christ and what he went through for us. So look with me, if you would, at our text, Matthew 26. We read these words in verse 67. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, experienced pain and humiliation for us. What Jesus went through on his way to the cross was a sacrifice. And in the process of going there, it was humiliation. As Jesus has cried out in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying to his Father, Father God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And he sweats drops of blood. He knows what's coming. He does not run, but he gets on his knees and he prays to his Father. As Jesus is betrayed, dragged before the council, they're questioning him, they go on and on. And it even says for us in verse 65 that the high priest tore his robes and said he, had, he has uttered blasphemy because as they had been questioning him, Jesus had said, it is as you say, if when they asked him, are you the son of God? And the high priest Caiaphas says he's uttered blasphemy and tears his robes. He says, what judgment, what further judgment do we need? What is your verdict? What should we do? And the people that were there, those who were bearing false witness, and many of the other council members said he deserves death. And it was at that point that they began to spit in his face. It is at that point that they begin to mock him. It is at that point they begin to slap him. And they say, prophesy to us. If you are the Christ, who is it that struck you? In the Gospel of Luke, it tells us they covered his face as they continued to slap him. When we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, we need to remember that he was spat upon. When we remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, we need to remember that before he even made it to the cross, before the, his hands and feet were pierced, before they placed the crown of thorns on his head, they had already begun to beat him. And to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is to remember that they began to slap his face like an outcast, like a common criminal, like somebody who had no worth, somebody who deserved no respect. And we must remember that those who are doing this, the soldiers are going to do it in a few moments. But these are the leaders of Israel, those who are to be an example to the people. But by night, they have begun to do wicked things. What Jesus went through for us on this Good Friday was humiliating, yet Jesus Christ willingly did it for us. As Jesus is going through this trial, what happens next is that he's taken before Pilate, the governor, the Roman governor. And Pilate sees no fault in him. After questioning him, we read in the Gospels, Pilate can't seem to make heads or tails of what's taking place here. 
You call, you're, you're making fun of him. You want me to render some sort of judgment, but as I question him, I find no fault in this man. And Pilate tries to no avail to appease the Jewish leaders, to let him go, even offering another thief, a criminal named Barabbas, who they say, no, let him go, crucify Jesus, crucify this man who is blaspheming, who we want no part of. We want him gone. And we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 1 through 3, these words. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and clothed him in purple robe. And they kept up, and they kept coming up and saying to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And it tells us, and they were slapping his face. It's a mockery of his kingship. When somebody was crowned king, there was great rejoicing and great celebration. Long live the king, people would say. Time of celebration and dance. But in this encounter, the soldiers decide to play a cruel joke. Let's give him a purple robe and his beaten body. Let's take some thorns, let's twist them together, place it on his head. Oh, and by the way, they continued to slap his face. Pilate decided to have him flogged to try to appease the crowd. Maybe if I just punish him, they'll see that this is enough. What good would that do? When they were crying, he's worthy of death, he deserves death. Well, when he had him flogged, the Roman scourge was cruel and oftentimes fatal. The whip had metal fragments or bone fragments so that it would tear the flesh piece by piece away from the body revealing bone and nerves, damaging the skin. And through all this, Pilate tried to maintain his innocence. He apparently hoped that the flogging would would somehow stop this death sentence that the Jewish leaders wanted and would satisfy them in their demanding his punishment. But it was to no avail. They said, what, he said, what shall I do with him? And they said, release for us Barabbas and crucify Jesus Christ. It was a scary time. It was a dark time. As our Savior was struck, as he was beaten, as he was flogged, as he was spat upon. And he did it all for us. When I was thinking about these texts, I remember a time in one of my journeys down into downtown Chicago as a student. One night I experienced some road rage, not from myself, but from a, a fellow driver. And during this encounter, he stopped my car, he made it so I could not drive away, and he began to yell very profane things at me, very evil things, things that are not worth uttering. And he kept wanting me to roll my window down. I'm like, well, you're talking to me that way. I'm not going to roll my window down. I can hear you just fine. But, on, but as he continued to press, as he continued to say some very nasty things, some things that made my stomach turn, I realized very quickly why he wanted me to roll my window down. And when I wouldn't do it, he did it anyway, and he spat at me. And it wasn't just a little trickle. It was quite disgusting. And I knew this guy had good aim because he hit right where my window was. And if I had rolled my window down, he would have hit me square in the face. Of that, I have no doubt. And what I experienced that night was quite petty. 
what I experienced was quite trivial compared to what our Savior went through. But even in the midst of that, it felt quite violating. It felt quite embarrassing. And yet, when I read the text and I see in the Gospel of Matthew, and it tells us in the Gospel of Mark and Luke and John, that as Jesus is pronounced guilty as blaspheming, even though he was not, very quickly those who were surrounding him, they turn on him and they spat in his face, they struck him, and they hit him, saying he deserves death. C.H. Spurgeon said that the clearest proof that man has utterly fallen and that the natural heart is at enmity with God is seen in the fact that they spat in the face of our Savior. This is how they treated the Lamb of God. But this is not all that they did. You can turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. We see that not only is Jesus Christ humiliated as they spat on his face and what he experienced. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, experienced affliction and punishment for us. What Jesus went through was taking our sins upon himself. We read these words in Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4. Yet he himself bore our sickness and carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb to the slaughter, and like a sheep is silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. Though Jesus was the spotless, sinless lamb of God, he was not treated as such. What the Jewish leaders meant for punishment, God used for payment. Here in Isaiah 53, we read these words that come out of the text, that he is pierced, that he is crushed. Punishment is upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. All these words speak of the agony that the servant had to undergo because of our sins. Atonement, that is Jesus shedding his blood to atone for our sins, making payment for us. Atonement is not achieved through mere religious rituals, but rather atonement is made through death. The Jews had done it through lambs, blood of bulls and goats, and now God was doing it once and for all through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it tells us he is smitten of God. The onlookers thought that Christ was suffering only what he deserved, but his experience of pain and anguish was for his people. He did not merely suffer physical pain and human abandonment on the cross. He was even abandoned by God, receiving the hellish fate that all people deserve. The extremity of Jesus' suffering shows that his compassion was real. It was not theoretical. It was not just some story to make us feel better. It was real. It happened. And he experienced it for us, willingly. C.H. Spurgeon goes on to say, May we never fail to add 
that they assaulted our Lord after the high priest had rent his clothes. Do not forget that the high priest was supposed to be the representative of everything that was good among the Jews. The high priest was the earthly head of their religion. It was he who alone of mortal men could enter behind the veil of the Holy of Holies. Yet it was he who condemned the Lord of glory. As he rent his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. What further witness do we need? Spurgeon said, It makes me tremble to think of the enmity that we may have. That those who claim to be followers of God have toward him and yet how awful they treated Christ, making him an enemy of God. We know he was not. He was the spotless lamb, but they did not treat him as such. The high priest who was to make sacrifices for God's people are about to make a sacrifice, but they don't see it that way. But God is the one who has made a way. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, Like the lamb before her shears, he is silent to the slaughter. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29, as John the Baptist has begun his ministry and is preparing the way for the Lord, when Jesus appears by the river Jordan to be baptized, John proclaims, Here is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And that was three years prior. And that day has come. Jesus took our punishment on himself. He pays for our sins. And he does this willingly. Lastly, we want to think about Philippians chapter 2. That the Lamb of God who experiences humiliation for us willingly also went to the cross willingly, taking our sin upon himself. The Lamb of God came to this earth willingly for us. What Jesus did by going to the cross and all the way was done by choice not by command. We read these words in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who, existing in the form of God, that is Jesus Christ, did not consider equality with God a thi- something to be explained, exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Jesus Christ came willingly. For a time, he laid aside his position with his Father in heaven, and he came as a servant. He took on human flesh, and he walked among us. And the text tells us he became obedient to the point of death. The role of the Son of God was coming willingly. God did not command Jesus Christ, go to earth and die for them but rather an eternity past in the perfect fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They were in agreement that this is how God would save his people from their sin. Jesus Christ would come willingly for us. Theologians like to term this divine child abuse in the sense that they say God made Jesus Christ come. There was some, something holy about it that Christ did not have a choice, but he sent him anyway to pay for our sins, and that is greatly skewing the scriptures. Because Christ did have a choice, and his choice was, I will go, I will bear the sin of the world. 
and he came all the way for us. Christ humbled himself obediently, knowing that death would come. This is why he was born. Christ was obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. This is why he came. It was no surprise to him that this would happen. He has told his disciples on multiple occasions, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He's going to be beaten and scourged, and he's going to be put to death. This was no surprise to him. And yet to the onlookers, to the Jewish council, to those who were making fun of him and mocking him, to them it was quite a surprise. Because they thought if he is the Messiah, he will come down. If not, he's a, he's a criminal who's blaspheming, and he must die. And even to his own followers who were distraught, how has this happened? And yet God has made a way. See, Spurgeon once again says, Further, this evil is also done when men prefer their own righteousness to the righteousness of Christ. There are some who say, we do not need to pardon. We do not want to be justified by faith in Christ. We are good enough already. Or they may say, we are working our own salvation. We mean to save ourselves. We can get to heaven on our own through obeying God. But if you can save yourself, why did Jesus Christ shed his blood upon the cross? Why did he even come to begin with? Because we cannot save ourselves. We are hopelessly lost in our sin without Jesus Christ. And it is he who willingly came, bore our sin upon himself, went to the cross obediently, and he paid it all for us. When Jesus breathed his last, he uttered the words, It is finished. It is finished once for all. No more sacrifices to be paid. The temple, the curtain of the temple is torn in two. No more high priest going in to make atonement for the people. Atonement has been made once and for all. What pain, what loss, what hardship, what humiliation, what rejection, what shame we, have, we may have experienced in life. We know that these are not foreign ideas. We know that they are real. We know and we bear the memory of them. And yet we must remember that Jesus did as well. He really experienced rejection. He experienced shame. He experienced loneliness. He experienced mockery and beatings. He's been there. He knows our pain. He knows our rejection. What he experienced was far greater. And he did it for us so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus paid it all. Jesus is the Lamb of God who that was beaten and spat upon for us. He paid for our sins on the cross, and he did it willingly as the spotless, perfect Lamb of God that was led to the slaughter that night. Let us rejoice that this Good Friday is remembering that the price has been paid once and for all. We call it Good Friday, and yet all the scriptures surrounding it are very dark, very bleak but it's very good because it's God's perfect plan to redeem his people for himself. It is God's perfect plan to send his son Jesus Christ into the world to pay the price for our sin. And that is why we call it Good Friday. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Good Friday. 
We thank you for the hope that we have in you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and his blood that was shed for us. Father God, let us remember this day through the time of singing, through the time of reading your word, through the worship that we give you tonight, tomorrow, and this coming Sunday, that we remember the price that was paid for us and how good it is. Father God, that we would take seriously remembering that this was not trivial. This is not to be taken lightly. But your son, Jesus Christ, bore the shame. He was made fun of. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was accused of things that were not true. Led to the slaughter for us. We give you the thanks.